This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Milwaukee, start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, sports cars, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Now, here's your host, Steve Zockey. Welcome into the Final Inspection Show here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. This is not Steve Zockey. He is down in Indianapolis uh, being wined and dined, enjoying that high society lifestyle he leads. This is the Polish pipe bomb, Jeff Orlowski, slumming it in the studio. I'm the man of the people. They don't invite me to those fancy parties. But, oh, man, Memorial Day weekend as we celebrate the heroes of America who paid the ultimate sacrifice for the wonderful freedoms that we enjoy day in, day out. This is the greatest weekend in racing. Xfinity race about to get underway now. You got Christopher Bell sitting on the pole in that one. Tomorrow, F1 in Monaco, green flag at 8, 10 a.m. Indy 500, Simon Pagino, uh, last week's winner. Uh, he's on the pole, or two weeks ago he won the uh, the Grand Prix at Indy. He's on the pole, and uh, they take the green flag at 11, 19 tomorrow. Coke 600 in NASCAR. And uh, the green flag flies then at 5 o'clock. So uh, hopefully your honeydew list isn't long and you get to sit in front of your TV. If you're not down at the track, you get to sit in front of your TV and watch nothing but racing all day long. Yes, please. Yes, please. Memorial Day weekend. Quick public service announcement here from the Pipe Bomb. I have uh, gone to many school events at uh, at my kids' schools around Memorial Day and everything, and half the teachers there don't understand what today is. A lot of people don't. Today is not thank any veteran day. That their day is called Veterans Day. Today is not or this weekend is not thank an active member of the military day. That is called Armed. Forces Day. It is not the weekend to say Happy Memorial Day because it's a solemn holiday as we remember and give our respects to the people that paid the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom. There's a reason why there's the saying, all gave some, some gave all. This is for the some who gave all. So uh, just a quick uh, public service announcement there. It drives me nuts when uh, you go into uh, a store, or, you know, you hear people talking, oh, happy Memorial Day. No, no, it's not. You know, this is uh, it's a it's a, a day for reflection and being thankful for what we all share as Americans. So 
I will get off my soapbox. I don't like telling anybody uh, how to live, but uh, that's just one serious pet peeve I have, and it drove me nuts going to schools and teachers didn't know uh, what the day was all about. That just makes me rip my hair out. We have a wonderful show for you guys today. Steve Zaki is going to join us here in a couple minutes on the phone, live from Indianapolis. He has just been busting his hump down there, getting great interviews and sound from just a plethora of drivers, and we're going to bring you all of that. Uh, It's going to be very Indy 500 heavy today, but you will hear from Daniel Hemrick. I was able to sit down with him a couple days ago and, and interview him, and you'll hear that today as well. So we will get you ready. Indianapolis 500, Coca-Cola 600, the Lewis Hamilton race somewhere in Monaco. Uh, and like I said, Xfinity Series, that's just the uh, the appetizer, and that is coming up now. So we're going to take a short break. I'm going to get Steve Zaki on the line, and you uh, your ears will be massaged with the normal sounds of Steve Zaki's voice. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Final Inspection Show here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM. The fan, Jeff Orlowski, <laughs> filling in for Steve Zaki. And uh, we go now to the Great Midwest Bank Hotline and welcome in Mr. Z-Man live from Indianapolis. How's it going down there, Steve? Uh, actually, pretty good. <laughs> Very good, I would say. Yeah, how's the weather? Everything good down there? Uh, it's hot, hot, and we have lots of cumulus nimbus, as my science teacher would say back in junior high. All right. So All right. It is summer, summer in the heartland here. Well, the, uh, you've well, seen some great action already on the track down there, Steve, that, uh, Indy lights finish was just absolutely phenomenal. You know, it's interesting because we were watching the media center and it was like, I think he let them pass. Let him go in the in the third quarter, and sure enough, it was uh, he got him in the back, you know, down the front straightaway. It was you know only probably about a three foot margin of victory, but they've been so tight here at Indianapolis. It was only the fourth closest finish. Yeah, in the, in the Indy Lights races here, which are those cars are just magic. That that package here is is so good. Uh, at this track that is, it's a shame that the fields aren't as big, you know, I mean, they had, I think 11, 12 cars, uh, which is, you know, which is a little bit above what they usually get, but it's just been a, a, a series that's been struggling and, and they're just a little bit, uh, the program is just a little, a little too juicy for, for, for what you get back on, on the program, unless you're a funded driver and you got a, and you, and you have a program that you're, you know, pretty sure you're going to get the Indy car. It, it, it's a pretty tough uh, road to haul if you're an Indy Lights driver. Yeah, well, uh, so far this month in uh, Indianapolis, it's kind of been the Simon Pagano show 
wins a Grand Prix of India a couple weeks ago, puts his car on the pole position for tomorrow's 500. Um, you know, but then again, at the uh, at carb day for final practice, we kind of had a surprise speed leader, didn't we, Steve? Tony Tony Kanan is AJ Foyt's car, second year in a row. He's been quick, and uh, you know, in, in the press conference afterwards, you know, Tony goes, "Hey, I was bitching uh, enough that everybody knew about it, and uh, I think the crew finally listened to me." So, yeah, and AJ was probably in the best mood that I've seen uh, uh, after practice in, in, in a while. So uh, he was in, in such a good mood that they gave Robin Miller front of the show an award. Uh, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway named uh, an award, a media award, uh, after him, and uh, it's it's well 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 deserved. And Mario Andretti, uh, AJ Floyd, and Bobby Unzer, and Johnny Rutherford was a few of the gentlemen that were there uh, uh, there for Robin. So, yeah, the reason I say it was a surprise because Kanan pretty much struggled for most of uh, the month down there, and uh, then been struggling for the whole year, in fact, and. And uh, for Mateus Lace to finish fourth in the Grand Prix earlier this year, or, or earlier this month, and 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 for them to, uh, you know, it's we're, we're having a party. It, it, when Hobbs and Roger Bailey get together, it's a party here. That's what we're we're hearing in the background. So I'm here doing a, a book signing with Hobbo. So I apologize for the background noise there. Oh, that's and, uh, all right, David Hobbs. He's a great sponsor. He can yell and scream all he wants in the background. <laughs> we love that guy. So, uh, Dave, yes, David, you owe me 20. And say hi to the listeners. Hello there. Hey, Mr. Hobbs. It's Jeff Orlowski in the studio. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing fine. I'm with some bloke called Steve Zop, you know, whatever his name is, down here in Indy. It's, uh, Pretty, uh, pretty good. I mean, I, yesterday, you know, for the Carburation Day and the Freedom 100 Indy Lights race, there was 100,000 people here. I mean, I couldn't believe it, but Friday it was fantastic. So uh, we've had a good day. Sold out all my books. Actually, I say I've got, I got one left. So, um, yeah, we're having a good day. So yeah. Uh, this is a fantastic spot. I mean, this Indy 500 is something on. Yeah, I would say so. 100,000 people for the Indy Lights race. That... Uh... That's what one fiftieth of your fan club, but that's that's a that's a heck of a showing. Well, it's about one hundredth of my fan club, but I mean, I get your point. <laughs> uh, well, that's great, Mister Hobbs. Uh, enjoy your time down there, and I'm glad that your books are moving. That thing is fantastic. So, thank you for uh, for a couple minutes. I appreciate it. All right. Well, thanks for having me on again. I always enjoy coming on your show. So, uh, you lie well. And, uh, thank I'll you. Speak to you again. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, so uh, yeah, Steve. Who who yes. surprised you down there in the last week or so? Obviously, we talked about the speed from Kanan kind of coming out of nowhere. Uh, who are some other guys that might you know might not be on the everybody's radar right now as far as being super quick? Uh, Steve? I'm sorry about the phone cut out there. Who? Uh, let me, let me, who? I'm, I'm, I'm getting myself away from the noise here, so I can actually hear you. Okay. Bye. Who has surprised you in the last week or so with how fast they've been? We talked about Kanan kind of coming out with speed out of nowhere. 
Who else is, uh, you know, kind of like a dark horse that people aren't really talking about now that might shock the world in the Indy 500 tomorrow? Uh, a couple of James, James Davison, once again, is an absolutely fearless. He's one of these guys who, who uh, you know, if this was a different era, he'd have a full-time ride. But he is a, a fast driver, Australian driver, and he is just, you know, he – if he can keep it off the wall, because <laughs> he's, he's known to push it, but uh, he, he he's a fellow that that certainly is a, you know is a surprise. Another one, and we had him on the show last week was Santino Ferrucci, and he's a young driver, and he's he's adapted uh, to the Indianapolis Oval very very quickly, and you know when we were talking last week, I kind of had a. I don't want to say he doesn't respect the place because he's with Dale Coyne Racing, and Dale Coyne's been around this track, you know, for a long time. And I'm sure, you know, with, with the guys he's got on the crew, and that includes Michael Cannon, that, you know, they're trying to temper this guy. Because they, they, they all say it's easier to slow a kid down than to speed him up. And that is certainly him, man. But if he can, uh, if he can run 200 laps uh, on Sunday, that's a kid. That's a kid to look out for is for Ritchie. All right, and then do we have, like, the usual cast of, uh, you know, characters, uh, Dixon and all of them who will be quick? And Ganassi, yep. And then uh, from the Andretti team, though, uh, Rossi is the guy, you know. And then Marco, would I would probably put number two there. Those two guys are are going to be tough. And, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's – but this field – is going to be so tight because not only is it the the you know the closest time to field that we've had here, but also you have the weather dynamic. So you're going to have multiple strategies, and you're going to have teams playing the weather. So I mean, this thing is wide, wide open. Yeah. How's the level of excitement? Obviously, some big names did not make the show. Uh, you know, they got, you know, Alonzo got bumped on, on uh, bump day and all that. So is the level of excitement off because of who didn't make it? Or is it still high no. and everybody's pumped like no. crazy? I think that just gives a little more panache to the, to the race where a team like McLaren, who kind of came in here, I don't want to say they were cocky, but they were going to, you know, they're like, we're going to do it on our, our terms in that. They were... Uh, you know they were they they were kind of you know taken to the woodshed and, and I think that it, it's on an international scale I think there's a lot of people that took notice like like wow you mean for this Formula One team with all their technology they came to Indy and they they got spanked like that wow maybe this uh, maybe this Indy car racing is a little tougher than we thought. Well, they were taken to the woodshed on the track and then completely embarrassed off of it when you read yeah. about all the uh, the nightmares, not even having a steering wheel. and. Um, oh, I know. Yeah, I posted Jennifer's uh, article on the, uh, on, on the Facebook page, on the Final Expression Facebook page. If you haven't, take a, take a uh, read at it. You know, and we've been critical on the show on Jennifer, but I, I gave her a you know, nice job when I saw her because she did group. That was a really good job on a write up that she did. Yeah. So, she, you know, she, she's great. I, I love her. Yeah. And you know, she, she was the one that did that wall trip piece, right? Where she caught a ton of heat for it. Yeah. 
you know, and and for me, that article was not a personal attack either. So I loved it. You know, obviously Dennis Michelson had a big problem with it when that came out, but uh, but I, she's she's great. She does one heck of a job. Yeah, she certainly has. Uh, so, oh. you know, what else are, you know, obviously you think that, uh, your better half is listening right now, Steve? No, well, she's, no, she's, uh, tending to customers right now. Okay. So at the, at the Indianapolis motor speedway memorabilia show, which is probably the premier memorabilia show, I would say not only in the Midwest, but probably in the country. I'm thinking, you know, it is, there is, uh, case in point, Russ Lake, Hall of Fame, uh, photographer who I've known since I was a kid he was looking for a 1990 Indianapolis yearbook I said well if you need that to fill out a collection shouldn't be an issue here and he went to the first table he went to they had one <laughs> so nice you know, he's like but there's uh, there's stuff here that you know I, I you know yet I haven't seen that since I was a kid and you know people are looking for something I had a uh, uh, a couple from out of the country who's uh, through marriage is related to Neil Carter. Neil Carter was a uh, long, long time midget driver from Ohio who unfortunately passed, I want to say about three weeks ago at the age of 94. And uh, they were looking for a car, not his car per se, but a um, a facsimile of of his car to take back to South America for their, for their granddaughter. And I said, well, that's a Curtis Craft, you know, midget, offy midget, and there should be one here. I told me all GMP used to make a uh, die-cast model of that car, so I wrote it down for him. I said, just start going to the tables. And I'm pretty sure they found one. So that's, nice. that's kind of a deal. It's, there's a lot of stories like that and just memories and doing the books here. I mean, there's gentlemen coming up to talk to Hobbs that, you know, bringing photos. He's right now he's – Doing an autograph on a, uh, his his uh, car from 1976 when he drove for Dayton Walter, and we had a couple of people from Dayton, Ohio here, and they were talking about the Walters and Salt Walter and George Walter, his father, and that. And there's another fellow that was here from Texas who uh, took some photos of, uh, of Hobo in the BMW at Road Atlanta back in uh, 1978. So it's just a lot of stories like that. It's pretty neat. Yeah, I bet you know? that that sounds awesome. Well, since uh, since Susan isn't listening, then I probably won't get in trouble for asking you about the thrill of meeting the beaver. The beaver. Oh, that was a weird. So Dick Jordan, God bless him, uh, uh, USAC stalwart, uh, just uh, one of the, the great guys in auto racing, worked for USAC for many, many years, and is uh, fighting some health issues, but he was in the media center. And I was with Bill Marvo, who we're going to post an interview I did with him. This is his 75th Indianapolis 500. And the guy's 89. He looks like he's about 69. And anyway, so me and uh, Bill are walking to the elevator. Dick, you know, waves us over. And uh, he's like, hey, I want you to meet the beaver. And I was like, holy cow, that is. It's Jerry Mathers. And that's that's pretty much sums up Indianapolis because uh, – there's all sorts of people walking through uh, the memorabilia show here, and uh, who you, know, you never know who you're going to meet. I remember about 10 years ago, I'm in the uh, I'm in the, uh, the gift shop in the museum, standing there, and uh, I look over right next to me. It's Jim Neighbors. So you know, I'm like, oh, 
how you doing, Jim? And he's like, oh, hi. And nicest guy. I mean, that, that the person that you think he was when you saw him on TV shows or on TV specials and that back, that's how he was in real life. Just a genuinely nice, nice man. So funny, too. But not Gomer Pyle funny, but, I mean, he was a really, really neat, neat guy. And, uh, you know, he certainly missed around here. Oh, I bet. I bet. Uh, they got Wayne Mesmer singing again in his place, right? Um, I believe. I, all I know is Jim, Jim Cornelius then is going to tear oh. it up for the national anthem. Oh, yeah, Cornelius. And, yeah, I get uh, Wayne Mesmer was uh, the one before Cornelius, uh, Cornelius in it, uh, for the Blackhawks. Sure. All right. <laughs> he got nothing but rave reviews last year, so I'm sure that'll still be fantastic. <laughs> so uh, besides hobnobbing with the uh, celebrities down there and uh, and uh, shaking hands with Beaver, um, you know, what's been the highlight of, uh, of your time down there so far? That is a good question because it is such a whirlwind of stuff because there's so many things to do. Uh, it's like last night, you know, Hobbs was like, hey, where were you last night? And he goes, well, I was at the museum. I'm going like, where were you? And he goes, well, I was at a Hobbs, or I was at a Honda party at the, you know, the Lara factory. I'm like, okay, that's why. So we were, you know, at two separate parties, you know, more, not more than a, you know, half mile from each other. So that, then that's the way it is down there. There's just so much going on and, and to see so many of your friends, sometimes these people you only see once a year, like Dr. Tom Lucas, who's walking by, ignoring me right now. The the racing dentist, who for so many years uh, screwed on many many uh, Indy cars, and uh, had to work on AJ's tooth in his garage about 25 years ago. You know stuff like that. It, it just it makes Indy what it is. Yeah, that's great. That is great. Uh... And obviously another sellout down there for the 500 tomorrow. You know, uh, problems NASCAR wish they had. Yeah, it will. You know, we'll want to see with the weather. But, yeah, it should be interesting. It seems like, though, when we're down here, the more they talk about the weather, the less of an issue it usually is. Yeah. Yeah, it does seem like that. When, uh, when the threat is there and everything like that, it seems like it blows over when – it's barely getting talked about is when you get those downpours out of nowhere. Right. And, oh, I, and I was, what was working is actually was, uh, uh, documented by an NBC sports network. There's a shot of me interviewing James Hinchcliffe. So I was actually not, you know, sipping, sipping adult beverages and, and hobnobbing. I'm actually working down here. So, and, uh, and for those, when you hear the interviews later, if you don't always hear my voice, it's what they do down here, which is really, really kind of cool, is they they break the drivers into two groups, and they it's a situation where the drivers are stationary, and all the media people tell tell all the people the media move from place to place. So, and, and so that's kind of neat. So if you're want to interview Will Power, but there's too many people there, you may move down to another person where there's not too many people, or so, if you hear other people on the uh, on the broadcast earlier, not you know, who are not answering questions, that's why. Like Dave Calabro is one of the guys you'll hear. So. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty neat way of doing it. It's got a kind of you know, it's good for 
for the press and the people asking questions, it's got to kind of be annoying for the drivers because I'm sure while they're standing there, they get the same question five, six times as people come and go. But, uh, yeah, that's great, and we're actually – I, I, we, we, we got to get you down here one of these years. Hey, I'm, uh, I, I would love that. I, have uh, never been to the Indy 500. I went to Indianapolis. I went to, uh, the museum and the gift shop and all that kind of stuff, but, uh, never been down there for a, wa- a race weekend. And, uh, I would love that. Well, all right. We, uh, we're going to hear from, uh, Alexander Rossi coming up next. So you think that Rossi's one of the guys to beat uh, in yeah. tomorrow's race? Top five. One top. of the top five guys. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, when do you want to do predictions, now or next hour? No, next hour when things are less chaotic. Okay, sounds good. I'll uh, I give you a – I apologize in, 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 uh, for, this, for this session. <laughs> it's been fun to do, but I'm sure it hasn't been the greatest radio. Yeah, you know. Lewis, do not leave. You're doing good. You're doing good. So enjoy the uh, quote-unquote working, and uh, we'll talk to you in about a half an hour, Steve. All right. All right. Take care. That was Steve Zaki. He joined me on a great Midwest Bank hotline. Looking to buy, build, renovate, or refinance in 2019? Look no further and call Great Midwest Bank today. Great Midwest Bank, providing simply local common sense lending to your community since 1935. Uh, so, yeah, when we come back, we will hear from Alexander Rossi. Uh, you heard Steve say it twice. Top five. He pretty much put the gear on T on that. So uh, Rossi's been quick and uh, obviously he has uh, high expectations for tomorrow's 500. You're listening to the Final Inspection Show here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. What a perfect day. I know that we had a little bit of rain in the Milwaukee area that blew through. Uh, right now, it is blue skies. Go on uh, greatlakesdragway.com. Check out their Facebook and their Twitter. They should be open. They will have all the latest info. A beautiful day to get down there to Great Lakes, and uh, and watch some racing. And David Hobbs, you heard him join us live, uh, sitting there hanging out with Steve down there in Indianapolis. We certainly thank him. We're also brought to you by David Hobbs Honda. In Glendale, for the best in new and used cars, go see our friends at David Hobbs. We'll be right back. Final Inspection Show, Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back. Final inspection show here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM. The fan Memorial Day weekend. You know what that means. The greatest racing weekend of the year is upon us when we uh, remember and honor the uh, great heroes who uh, paid the ultimate sacrifice for all the freedoms 
that we enjoy on a daily basis here in um, the wonderful country that we live in. So, uh, Steve Zaki, he caught up with Alexander Rossi, obviously one of the favorites going into tomorrow. Fast car has had a uh, a good month down there. They definitely found the speed. So let's hear what uh, what Alexander Rossi had to say down in Indianapolis. Kind of already there. Um, you know, I'll be able to see exactly where the leaders are and be able to judge things based off of that. Um, whereas last year, I was more looking backwards to make sure the leaders weren't coming by me. We were so far back. If you don't win this year, who would you like to see drink that milk? Oh. No one. Um, uh, I mean, I got to say one of my teammates, right? I mean, I think Marco. It's been a long time coming for the Andretti family. Um, it's the 50th anniversary of, of Mario's win, so um, probably Marco. Keep him family. <laughs> After Monday's practice, how do you feel you stack up against Carpenter's cars and we're in the top three or four cars. Um, it was a really perfect day in terms of conditions, so I don't know how much of that's going to transfer to, to Sunday. Maybe tomorrow will give us more of an indication. Oh, yeah. As ex-Formula 1 driver, what's your view of what happens to Alonso in McLaren? Regardless of my past um, life, it's... That's just what Indianapolis is. There's no guarantees. It doesn't matter how much money you spend. Um, there's a lot of, of uh, importance placed on experience and um, just having the knowledge of, of what it takes to, to be successful around here. And um, Yeah, I mean, it's, it's wild. It's, it's crazy to think about. Um, on one side, you know, it's, it shows how challenging Indianapolis is and, and how competitive IndyCar is. On the other side, you know, I hope that the the international audience um, still still watches the race because you know we saw what he was able to bring from a um, global interest perspective, and you know I think that's a really positive thing for the sport. So um, I hope to see them back and uh, give it another another chance. Do you think they have been a bit of arrogant? I think Europeans are arrogant in motorsports in general. I just think that's that's the way that culture is and um, you know at the end of the day that's, that's that's really what a lot of Formula One is and um, you know at the end of the day they are the pinnacle of motorsports whether we as, as IndyCar supporters and drivers like it or not Formula One is is the cutting edge um, so yeah they're going to have some arrogance that goes along with that um, I can't say whether or not that's a problem that they had coming here Know, I know that they tried their absolute best and, and never gave up until the end. You know, when you watch the video of, I think it's last year, some of those passes you made, et cetera, <laughs> high side, low side stuff, do you, are you ever know, amazed by it? Or you, do you ever, like, go back and go, what's going through my head here? I mean, you know what I mean? Do you, how, how do you replay things like that? And uh, Are you ever amazed by some of the moves you've made? Not really. I mean, we're just there to kind of – it's your job, right? It's your job to, to put yourself and the team in the best position to win possible. And um, unfortunately, we had to, you know, pass a lot of cars to have a good result that day. Yeah. So, um, no, I mean, I, I look – there's a couple of the replays or angles or whatever where it's like, wow, I feel lucky that 
you know, that car didn't move two or three inches to the left or right or whatever. But at the end of the day, I mean, it's um, it's all in the past. So I know, but everybody's always trying to get in y'all's head, y'all's yeah. psyche of like what makes you a driver want to do it. Number one, and number yeah. do do those things and stuff. What do, are you sort of a different person when you're behind the, the wheel of a race car? Meaning. I don't think so. You're willing to hang it out there, so to speak. <laughs> no, I, no, I don't think so. I mean, it's it's all about the opportunities that present themselves. I mean, in those particular situations, everyone went low, and there was clean air up high, so yeah. it didn't seem any reason not to do it, right? Um, you know, clean air is a big deal for these cars, especially the new aero kits, and um, even if that's not the racing line in terms of the ultimate grip, the the support you're getting from the clean air and the aerodynamic benefit makes it possible. But are you, are you ever aware, too, though, that you're putting on a show? I mean, that people are... Just there to try and win a race, man. But you are still... I mean, you know, when yeah. you, if you watched a race like that from the grandstands, would you be awed or amazed by... For sure. I mean, when I watch sports as a fan and watch someone hit a game-winning buzzer beater in the NBA playoffs, like, yeah, it's amazing, right? But at the end of the day, you got to remember this is our job. And for me, it's we wake up each day with the desire to win. And if you don't, then it wasn't a really successful day. So I look at it as we maximize the bad situation um, by finishing fourth when we started 32nd. But it wasn't a successful day. Um, so hopefully we can have a successful day this Sunday. Have you ever get a chance to relax during this week leading up to the race? Absolutely not, no. <laughs> um, it's a lot of stuff like this. Um, and, and obviously... You know, it's very important to maximize kind of the sponsorship and uh, media engagement for this month because it's the biggest month in racing. So um, it's right that we're busy and correct, but still doesn't mean it's, it's not tiring and uh, it's hard. I think the biggest thing that I've learned from year one to now is how to compartmentalize and manage yourself throughout the whole month um, and, and still be fresh and focused uh, when you get in the race car each time. Is there such a thing to be able to flip on the switch though when you get back in the car this weekend after such a gap off? You guys go day and day and day in and then you have this big three-day gap in there. Yeah, I mean, I know it's cliche to say, but it's it's like riding a bike for us. I mean, we we have so many hours in race cars and this is just when we, for me, when I get when I put my helmet on and get in I actually, my heart rate goes down and I'm relieved because I don't I don't have to talk to anyone else anymore. I can just go. We're going to leave you alone right. at that point. I can just go do my job and um, kind of execute what we've been talking about for the past month. So for me, I don't know how it is for others, but it's actually a sense of calm when it's finally time to get in the race. And it's like, okay, we got through the hard part. Now we can go, we can go have some fun. You're picking favorites for this race. Your name keeps coming up a lot. Do you feel like you have a car that's worthy of that distinction? I think we've had a great car all month. Um, my big concern is we haven't really been in, in race conditions in the heat yet and i don't depending on what forecast you look at sunday could be hot sunday could be fairly mild so i don't i don't really know these cars are really temperature dependent and this track is temperature dependent so i think based on what we had monday if it was a replica of those conditions we'd be sweet if it's hotter i don't know i hope we're still as good because um, i'd say based on kind of the monday race running practice we were the top four five cars um, we were in that group so Hopefully it stays the same. It's a very active Monday practice there. What did you take away from that, though? Conditions aside. Now, there was Alexander Rossi. Uh, said some interesting things. You know, of course, there was questions about the weather and everything like that as well. But uh, 
Some interesting stuff there from Alexander Rossi, who's going to be, you know, one of the favorites in, you know, going into the race, the Indy 500 tomorrow. Uh, We're going to take a short break, and then when we come back, you're going to hear from a pair of IndyCar drivers, uh, Hinchcliffe and then Marco Andretti as well. It just keeps going and going and going. I love this show. This show before the Indy 500, the 600-miler for NASCAR, and then some F1 race in Monaco that, uh, you know, I'm sure Lewis Hamilton will win. But uh, you're listening to the Final Inspection Show here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove and, of course, David Hobbs Honda. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM. The fan, Jeff Orlowski, the Polish pipe bomb, sitting in studio here, filling in for Steve Zaki, who's down live in Indianapolis, getting ready for the Indy 500. Uh, you know, I'm jealous. I wish I was down there, but I'm glad being here, uh, sitting in the air conditioner and uh, air conditioning and listening uh so all these great interviews that Steve was able to get us uh, for the show today. Uh, next man up here will be James Hinchcliffe, and uh, let's hear what he had to say down from Indianapolis. For Sunday, does the team have a 101 lap strategy? Certainly. I mean, I think every team up and down pit lane does. We've uh, we've seen it happen here before. I think I'm pretty sure Dario was the last guy to to win a race short one. So it's, it's going to be on top of everybody's mind. You know, if, if we're able to get the race started on Sunday, that's absolutely going to be, you know, what happens. It's going to be the race to the cloud if it looks like it's coming in. And coming from the last row? Certainly not ideal. Uh, but at the same time, if it looks like it's going to become that kind of race, we can take bigger risks on strategy. You know, we can take bigger risks on, uh, on fuel and uh, maybe take an earlier yellow than some other guys would be willing to with better track position, uh, which could ultimately, you know, be a, the kind of move that wins you the race. I mean, if you look at... The way Rossi won in 16, you know, it was a fuel mileage situation that was caused by him being at the back. You know, he had a a bad pit stop and and that kind of put him off sequence. So if it ends up being something rain related, who knows? That could actually play into our hands. James, we're doing a bit of a funny story right now. And I was told you'd be a good person to ask this, but if you're in the middle of a race and you need to use the restroom, what do you do? You you don't have time to make a stop. So if you got to go, you got to go. Do you have a I've never, I mean, yeah, I, I've never had to do it on a, I've never had to do it under green. I've only done it once before. So whoever told you to ask me is being a jerk. Uh, I don't know where Will is, but go ask him. He's the pro. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's harder to do than you think though, especially under green. So, I mean, I think you got to at least wait for a caution. The soundtrack to my life. Oh man. I'd have to think about that one. There's, there's got to be something appropriate. There's got to be, there's got to be some album out there that's like, 
really, really, really happy, fast song, and then really, really slow, somber song, and then really, really happy, fast song, and then really, really slow, somber song. So whatever, like, the most roller coastery album that you can find, that one. James, what's the approach on, on race day for you when you wake up in the morning? How do you approach those situations? You're at this big track. Um, yeah, man, you start by putting on pants. That's usually that's a good start. It's a good start to the Bathrooms day. Bathrooms probably included. Bathrooms in there somewhere. Yeah. Brush your teeth. Yeah. Healthy breakfast. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Got to have your balanced breakfast. Um, no, I mean, you know, you, the the thing about it, man, is you always try to treat this race as any other race. You know, you try to do the same things, go through the same routine, the same ritual, the same thing that gets you in the zone at any other track should, in theory, work here, and should be what you do. The more extra attention you put into certain things or uh, extra pressure you put on yourself I feel like potentially sets you up for failure to be honest so it's hard to do and I don't think anybody is able to do it completely but you try to push what indie is and what it means out of your mind and just think hey I gotta do 200 laps of this track will be extra special being in this race after missing last year I mean certainly it's uh, it certainly gives you um, a little more I don't want to say appreciation because that makes it sound like we didn't have a crazy amount of appreciation beforehand but after what we went through last year uh, and then the stress of this year man qualifying weekend was definitely a different uh, a different vibe that we were hoping for but I think these you know it motivates everybody you know I think it really does and uh, everybody on our team especially knows how easy it is to, to not be in this race and, and how much you have to appreciate and value the, everybody that gets to be in here all right, starting 32nd, what will be your approach at the beginning of this race? Just kind of hang on and let it ride out? It might be for the first little bit. You know, you just you just never know. We've got a pretty big field of rookies this year, and they're sort of scattered throughout the field. Um, a 30-car draft really feels ugly going into turn one. I'm not going to lie. There's uh, not a lot of air on the car. I mean, you lift off the throttle, and you're still accelerating. There's such a draft. It's crazy. So you, it's the old saying. You can't win in the first corner, but you can certainly lose it. And, you know, we don't want to do anything silly. Uh, early in the race. Once everything settles in, I think we've got a great car. Uh, I think the aero car is going to be uh, just, just fine in traffic. I think the crew is going to be great in pit lane. So we've got 500 miles to, to make it up and try and get away to the top. Good luck. Thank you very much. James Hinchcliffe. All right. There was James Hinchcliffe. And uh, now we're going to bring you Marco Andretti live from Indianapolis. Let's hear what Marco had to say. And maybe in years past, I mean, you kind of feel like that's the case. Don't let him fool you. I don't think anybody knows what we need right now. I think, uh, you know, it's a little more track position dependent, if that's what you're talking about. Like, yeah, you need to be towards the front, but, I mean, it could come down to fuel. It could come down to, You never know how this race is going to be won, but, uh, you know, whether it's just somebody who's just going to go out and dominate or is it somebody that's going to come from the closing laps, and you don't know where to, the right place to be is, but obviously towards the front helps. I mean, and to that end, the uni- being a universal era kid, is there a lot of things that you can still do from an adjustability standpoint? Like, do you find it to where long run, short runs? Is there still a lot of adjustability in a car over a stint of the 500 miles that you can play with? Well, I think Firesome does a great job, so there's not a lot of degradation, not a lot of ty- tire dig. So, um, you know, that, that makes it to where you can get set up pretty aggressive. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think uh, you have to still have a good, comfortable car under you. You still have to carry throttle, um, whether your car itself as fast or not I think carrying throttle always always helps in this race and you're always going to go forward if you're able to do that and have a good comfortable balance thank you Parko is there anything that really adds 50 years come up if you people coming up to you and saying you know with the, your fathers you know with the Daglo orange and everything has the pressure been adding up on you 
Uh, no, I mean, it's uh, this race is, is so huge in itself. I think it would just, you know, how special this month has been so far is, is the way I look at it. I think there's, there's, I felt a lot of support. There's a lot of good energy around it. And, uh, you know, a lot of people celebrating my grandfather, uh, well-deserved on his part. And, and so uh, we're going to try to celebrate him the best way and try to win the race. Is there, um, is there a way, I mean, I guess, are you getting tired of people saying the Speedway owes the family one? Uh, no, because I don't feel that way. I think, uh, you know, it, would it be nice to win? Absolutely. Um, but I don't think, yeah, I mean, we've been so fortunate as a family here. I mean, uh, you know, almost 80 tries and, and we're all still here and we're able to, to come back and try to keep trying to win it. Marco, you feel like one of the old guys in the room now? It's amazing how many Mays we've seen you here from when you started, and now you're sitting here still going strong. How do you put that in perspective? I have the gray hairs already. Um, I don't know. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know old is the word, but I, I'm definitely, I feel, I feel experienced. I feel like uh, uh, more relaxed than usual because normally this, this is a very roller coaster month, and it's very easy to get caught up in the emotions, good and bad. And this this month for me, when I'm 29th, I'm not stressing, and when I'm second, I'm not overjoyed. I just I know how it goes, and the only thing that matters is the last third of the Indy 500, you know. And I've been quickest in practice. I've been quickest fast Fridays. I've been on front rows. I've dominated this race. I've never won it. So there's obviously everybody says it, but there is one lap that counts, you know. And there's one one or two stints that count the whole month. So we'll stress then. When you look at a forecast like Sunday, I know you've dealt with rain here before. How does that change anything? Um, I look at the, the weather hour to hour in, in Indy. It changes so much. But I think, you know, the what could end up on our side is that it's um, it's it's scattered. So uh, when there's scattered thunderstorms in Indy, you never know. It could be the nicest day ever. So who knows? You throw Connor on your team this year. How's that changed things? Uh, we laugh a lot more at him, not with yeah. him. Um, and, uh, no, he's... Uh, He's good. He's he's been on it. I mean, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna try some variations of his setup tomorrow, actually. So, um, he's done a great job. My dad's helped on that stand, and uh, yeah, they, he gave him a toe to beat me on Fast Friday. What about? I don't know about that, but uh, no, he's done he's done a great job, and so um, yeah, it's just been it's been more fun. Thank you. And there was Marco Andretti from Indianapolis. Always interesting stuff to hear what uh, what Marco has to say, and uh, we'll see if uh, the bad luck that uh, has plagued that family in recent years at Indianapolis continues uh, tomorrow or not. And you know that uh, always one of the storylines, but you know it's fantastic always having an Andretti in the field. It just feels right. So we're going to take a break. Uh, We'll hear from Steve Zaki again coming up here in the next segment. Top of the uh, top of the hour on the uh, final inspection show here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM. The fan brought to you, as always, by our friends over at the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove and David Hobbs Honda. Milwaukee, start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, sports cars, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. Now, here's your host, Steve Zaki. 
Welcome back. Second hour of the final inspection show here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM. The fan brought to you, like always, by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway out in Union Grove. Beautiful day. Get out to the track. And David Hobbs Honda in Glendale. Go get yourself a fantastic deal on a new or used car out there at David Hobbs Honda. Right now, we go back out to the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Welcome in the rock star himself, Steve Zaki. Steve, how you doing, brother? Pretty good. Uh, going to stay dry. Uh, looks like we're going to get a little, a little Indiana thunderstorm passing through. All right, well, that's nothing to be scared of, I don't think. No, you have a weather you know, weather alert on the thing, but I just looked at the radar, and they're actually kind of, the storms are kind of weakening. So. Well, good. Hopefully uh, everything stays dry there, but if it's going to rain, I'd rather it rain down there today instead of tomorrow. This is true. This is very true. So what do you we'll, th- we'll have to see. I, I, I thought one of the meteorologists uh, gave an interesting uh, uh, synopsis. She goes, if it rains in the morning, it's actually a good thing because it has a tendency to kind of dissipate the uh, atmosphere a little bit, cool it down, so the storms take a little bit longer to build up over the day. So that would, if that's the case, then it probably wouldn't be till after the race or something that thunderstorms may come in. But it remains to be seen. Here's the other thing, too. I've also been at this track where we've had thunderstorms come through, but they've come through to the north or they come through to the south, and sometimes you can get lucky. So, you know, it, it's like I said before in the first hour, you know, it, it seems like the more they talk, they talk about the weather, uh, you know, less it affects the race. But that remains to be seen. Yeah, well, you know, I know uh, I'll be keeping my fingers crossed that there's no kind of delays or anything like that with the race tomorrow. And they're able to yeah. get it, you know, run a full race, get it all in with uh, with no no stoppage for rain, I'll tell you. It's been a while. I think 2007 with Dario, rain shortened it by a little bit. And then uh, 2004 was a little bit more with Buddy Rice. That's when he kind of upset. Uh, it was quite the upset when Buddy Rice won in 2004. And then you have to go back all the way, though, to 1997 to when the race was actually postponed completely. And not only was it postponed uh, for Sunday, they didn't even get it in on Monday, and they had actually run it on Tuesday. Wow. What was the crowd like for the Tuesday uh, race? Uh, sparse, just like, uh, you know, any 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 sporting event, which was scheduled for Sunday and run on a Tuesday. You know, a lot of local, a lot of, I, I bet you a lot of lo- more, more locals were in uh, attendance than usual as people were giving their tickets away. Yeah, those are probably the only people out there praying for rain tomorrow. In fact, I, I think if maybe I, well, I'm thinking that maybe they just opened up the gate that day, just said, come on in, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. They get you in the door, get you buying two, three, four beers and a couple of hot dogs. That's better than nothing. Well, I, you know, and, that's, and we're seeing more and more tracks do this. Uh, especially with kids. I mean, my, my feeling is, you know, under under 14, you know, kids get in with a being adults. So, yeah, I agree. I agree. Gotta, and gotta that, get and them that, while they're young. Exactly. You know, you sit there and uh, you you know turn that into a tradition, 
And uh, you got to make it more affordable on the families because with the way the tickets are, and not just for racing, for all sporting events, they're taking a whole lot of the families out of it. And uh, sure. and that could be one of the reasons for declining attendance in NASCAR and, and a couple other sports. Exactly. So, all right, well, uh, you know, we got uh, your interview with Tony Kanan coming up. What, uh, you know, what was the highlights of uh, hearing from Tony, in your opinion? And, uh, you know, obviously you got to be uh, liking his chances for tomorrow. Well, it, definitely. He, you know, he was quickest uh, in carb day. Tony's always a good interviewer. He, he's not going to, you know, homogenize the uh, the interview. And he, you know, he speaks his mind. Plus, dry, you know, and he's, let's face it, he's at this time of, of, of his career where I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but, you know, he can say what he wants. He's, he's the, you know, the, the, the old guy, you know, in, in the paddock, and he's won his races. He's the Indianapolis 500 winner. You know, he's, he's, he's in a comfortable spot right now, and he knows that, you know, with the changes they made, uh, between qualifying and, and, and yesterday in Carpey, he's got a pretty strong car. And the way things are working out, everybody is so tight, there's going to be all sorts of strategies involved. And with the weather, anybody can win this race. And Tony is one of them. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, here's Tony Kanan when he spoke down in Indianapolis. Rundown on working for a legend a legend that has no filter so he will tell you exactly the way it is at the moment that you're talking to him so a guy that i rely a lot on when i'm having a lot of bad days i mean he's been through all and and on and off the track and uh you know it's it's so much respect that uh, especially when we're here at this place i want to talk to him every day 24 hours a day and, and you know just this morning we did an appearance and we were talking about setups and and I love to hear the stories. And unfortunately, there's a lot of things that he has done in his race cars because of the rules nowadays, we can't. Which are, because we're just talking about this. You know, I did this. I said, we should do it. He says, well, we can't <laughs> because the rules. So it's a really an honor to drive for him. I mean, I, I, I feel the, the, a much bigger responsibility of performing, and not just because of me. It's because of, of him and the legacy that he's, he's, you know, that he created it. So... A lot of pressure on myself, but that's why I race. All right, thank you, Tony. Tony, Tony, what's the one thing driving for AJ that a story came that you thought, "Well, I didn't know he did that." I know he actually had fought a lion when uh, you know get a, got attacked by a lion, I guess. But I felt bad for the lion, to be honest. But <laughs> I didn't know that. And what when you're driving during the race, early in the race, is there what's the one thing that's the most frustrating, early yellow or anything like that. What comes bother, that bothers you the most as a driver? Um, I would say actually when you can't pass a car that you know it's slower than you. You know that is really frustrating. But the way that the product is nowadays, sometimes you get one of those, and it's not the driver's fault. We're defending positions, or I would say, to top of it, to come to think of it, it's actually somebody that is become extremely aggressive. On the first 10 laps of the race, you look at it, you go, why are you doing this? You know, we have another 190 laps to go. So that probably annoys me the most. The, the changes they made this year, do you think that's going to help out with the front washing out and with the front of the car? 100%. I think we're, we have a better product than last year for sure. Firestone did a great job 
they increase the grip on the tires. We had a little bit of downforce in the front, and I think it's going to be, you've seen it, qualifying for me, uh, for the past 18 years I've been here, I think it was the hardest one that we've ever seen. Tony, besides yourself, you had a good couple of bucks down in Vegas on the drive. Besides yourself. I never bet on myself, actually, I should have in 2013. Um, I would do, I'll pick three guys. I'll do Dixon, Power, and Rossi. But those orders are so obvious that I would not going to win any money anyway. So no. I, should, I should pick. Actually, I will add one more. I'll put a lot more money on Kyle Kaiser. Kyle Kaiser. The way it's going, I think it's, we'll be surprised. The year that we won, I think uh, I had a friend of mine that actually bet. Oh, really? I was 28 to 1. Wow. And he bet a thousand bucks. So. Did, he, did he at least take you out to dinner or something? No. <laughs> Nothing? I was happy for him. I won a lot of money too, so it was okay. <laughs> <laughs> a lot more than he bet. <laughs> how, many, how many drivers do you think really have a chance to win this thing? Honestly, I'm not going to be sarcastic. Yeah. I think 33. The way that the field is, and you look how close it is. Yes, the further back you go, the harder it can be. But you never know. You never know a strategy. You never know how the yellow is going to come out. Now we have the rain. How about if rain's more than halfway through the race, and you haven't stopped, and you started at that last, and you're there? I mean, there are so honestly, I, I don't think I can pick one. We can talk about the obvious people, but when this place became obvious, since when this place is obvious? So. This place decides. You said that. I always said that, and they will do it again. When you have two cars, is there, and, and you guys do two strategies? Do they let you have any input? What What do you think? Like well, if rain is a strategy, the way or? a team plays when we talk about in our team meetings will be depending who, where you are, you know. And, and if one car is in the top ten and the other one is thirty second, the guy in the back is going to risk more than the guy in the right. front. So basically, it's not really. It's where your position, right? And and that's quite obvious for us. So uh, as far as our team, we're we're so tied together that. For me, I mean, if I have to jeopardize myself as far as strategy to to have my teammate or my team win, so be it. I think we have a, such a great atmosphere there that I'm, I'm talking about it in a good way. Don't take me mm-hmm. wrong. I'm not right. saying we're going to do something silly, but no. But it, it's always where your position on the race, right? Mm-hmm. Really. I mean, to give an example, last weekend I was up up front, moved up front on the top 13, and Mateus was 21st or 22nd. They gambled, and but we couldn't gamble because we say, "Well, let's guarantee this car up front." And actually, ended up working the opposite, mm-hmm. and and I was happy for him. How, let's uh, say you're tenth, and you know that the weather's coming. How does that change the equation? Wow. Well, the only thing you could do, you banked on the on the weather, and then if everybody everybody pits, you stay out. But if we, if we could predict the weather. We'll be rich, right? <laughs> so the, even the people that know about it can't. So I don't know. All right. Thank you, Tony. Thank you. All right. So Tony Kanan is not a weatherman, Steve. I'm kind of shocked. Yeah. You know, t- Tony is, uh, I-, I love Tony. You can't, you know, you know what's funny is uh, um, I almost hit Tony in the head taking that selfie with uh, Beaver. So he's, he's on the other side of the camera. At first, he thought I was going to take a photo of him. <laughs> <laughs> well, good thing you didn't hit him in the head. Uh, I didn't want to have to drive down to Indianapolis uh, to bail you out. 
Uh, you know, and, and I shouldn't jinx it because the weekend's still young. I might still have to go down there and bail you out. All right, so we got Colton Herta coming up, but Steve, I know you got to run down there. What? Uh, who's your pick for the Indianapolis 500 tomorrow? Uh, I'm going to go with Alexander Rossi just because uh, you know I I, just, I got a feeling. Okay, so, I'm going uh, from the pole, Simon Pagano. Let's put it this way: there are no bad picks though in this race. Oh yeah, I know. Anything so, can happen. Anything can how about happen. The world, how about the world six hundred? The world six hundred. I'm gonna go with uh, your favorite driver, Joey Logano. Joe boy, Joey Logano. I'll go with Eric Amarola. All right, that's a good pick as well. That is a good pick as well. All right, well, Steve, uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you for getting Appreciate all the great it. sound and working your tail off down in in Indy for us and. uh you know, definitely appreciate all you're doing and uh, hey. enjoy the race. I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, Colton Herta, another good interview. It'll be interesting to see what he can do tomorrow, rookie. But, uh, you know, with his dad, his dad has managed a lot of winners over the years, uh, been in victory lane, and uh, especially with uh, Herta, or I mean with uh, Weldon in 2011. So he's you, you can't call him enough. And, and I got some interesting interviews coming up. I kind of paired on. I got most of the guys, but what I did, I wanted to get the most interesting uh, interviews. So uh, we got Jack Harvey coming up and, and a few others. So uh, I hope the uh, listeners will enjoy them. Yeah, well, so far so good, man. If the, uh, these ones coming up or anything like the ones we've heard, you're doing one heck of a job well, down you. there. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jeff. All right. Enjoy the race, Steve. Thank you. All right. All right. Take care. There was Steve Zaki joined uh, again on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Looking to buy, build, renovate, or refinance in 2019? Look no further. Call Great Midwest Bank today. Great Midwest Bank, providing simply local common sense lending to your community since 1935. Without further ado, here's Colton Herda down from Indianapolis. Anything that's 22 years old, and especially in motor racing. Uh, it is cool because I see him more of a friend than a boss. It's a lot easier to talk to him about different things, uh, work-related. And then, um, yeah, we also love just hanging out, playing some video games on the couch and, and uh, yeah, just hanging out. Not only is he the boss, but he's a Steinbrenner. The Steinbrenner's are recognized in baseball and the New York Yankees. So how neat is that, too? Yeah, it's cool. Obviously, uh, you wanted to branch out. They have baseball really well covered, obviously. And, uh you know, want to do something different. I think it's super cool that he that he chose motorsport and, and indie car racing especially. What's the most interesting thing that's happened to you since you've been here this month, whether it be on the course or off the course? Just finally getting to drive, um, you know, this fast and in this sort of car, it makes it super interesting. Every lot that you get to turn, you do uh, you do a lot of different preparations for for a lot of different things. Going through setup work all all month long. It's a long month. And, um, yeah, I think that's the most interesting part. How do you think you're going to feel on race morning? No clue. Probably a little nervous. No, I'm not sure, though. I'll be able to tell you race morning how I feel. <laughs> a few questions for the Japanese yeah. fans. Um, how do you feel going into this weekend? Um, I feel very confident. You know, the car's been really quick. Um, you know, obviously, we are Honda-powered as well. Top Honda car as well, so uh, that's a big confidence boost for me. Starting fifth, it's a long race, you can win it from anywhere, but it, it definitely helps when you start from the front. What makes Indy 500 special for you? I think just the tradition of it. It's, it's the biggest race in the world, um, and, and 
the biggest one-day sporting event in the world. It's a huge deal uh, all across the globe. So it, it's just the traditions, you know, being able to kiss the bricks, drink the milk, uh, the balloons back home again in Indiana, all, all these different traditions. Okay, one last question. How do you feel about Takuma as a competitor? He's tough. <laughs> There's definitely easier guys to beat, but uh, he's tough, you know. He doesn't want to give an inch on the track. Um, He's very fair though, very fair when he drives, so um, I don't mind when she gets him at all. There's some other guys that you might want to be cautious around, be careful around, but he's very fair too. Well, thanks so much. Thank you. Arigatou gozaimasu. Thank you. Two or three questions yeah. here. Um, you know, you've had some great success early on this year, winning, starting, starting up high in almost every race. How much does the veteran crew that you have behind you play a factor into, you know, just really putting the car exactly where you want it? Uh, it's, that's the biggest thing. It's, builds a lot of confidence when you get to just uh, drive a car that you're comfortable driving, having the rear stuff down, especially around here, uh, just builds up the speed a lot quicker. You know, my, my fourth lap was a lap at 228 around this place, which you can't do that unless the car is extremely yeah. stable, which it was. So right from the word go, I was able to run flat, and, and it's been super, super easy for me, and that's all because of the engineering stuff. How much of your bandmates been... Uh... Uh, you know, pulling for you every week, uh, and how much did they celebrate after your first win? Yeah, yeah. Do no, we have any special cult tribute no, uh, victory songs? No, but um, yeah, they always follow along. Even before the band was even a thing, they're all friends from high school, so they were always following. And uh, lastly, one thing, we are going to get those Colton's Dad t-shirts printed uh, from Billy oh, yeah. Parlay. I know we talked about that last year. <laughs> the weather has not changed. Now there was Colton Herta from Indianapolis. We've got to take a short break. More interviews coming up from Indianapolis here on the Final Inspection Show, Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. On 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back. Final inspection show here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM. The fan, Jeff Orlowski, the Polish pipe bomb. Sitting in for Steve Zaki, who's down in Indianapolis. Uh, it was nice for him to take out uh, a segment uh, to join us both in the first hour and in our last segment. So we thank Steve for that. Uh, we go back down to Indy, and uh, now we're going to hear from Jack Harvey. Steve Zaki with the final inspection show. Sitting down here with Meyer Shank driver Jack Harvey. I inserted myself into stories, but you and I did a celebrity softball game, which you were the celebrity about two and a half years ago. And I'm thinking, this poor fella, is he ever going to get an IndyCar ride? And you were so good. You were so nice to everybody there. And I'm thinking, man, how is he going to be able to do this? Let me let me tell you. I, I'll be the first one to congratulate oh, you. Thank you. I, I I'm so happy to see where you are now. Thank you. And and how you ran last week at at, at the GP and that, and it, it's did you? I don't want to say at the softball game, but I mean let's let's drivers go through periods of time where you're not really sure, sure. where the next ride is. Mm-hmm. How how does a driver keep himself you know up like positive? Joe, it's funny that you asked that today because literally about half an hour ago I was chatting about this exact same thing uh, with a guy in our team and uh, it was, um, we were talking about like what you say inside your head and like there's a certain amount of 
stubbornness that comes with some of these things and you know just like that that inner belief and you know uh, I remember in my first Indy 517 was it the you know the night before party with Andretti Autosport and you know Michael Shank racing at the time and left the party and just like honestly like couldn't stop myself from crying uh, because it was like we made it like right. we made it to Indy 500 and the guy said well did you not always think you were going to and I'm like well look you know this is a guy looking for my position finished second twice in Indy Lights so no scholarship money no nothing right. like that uh, my sponsors in Racing Steps Foundation I graduated the programme because they had taken me as far as they could go um, and I spent 2016 without a drive you know no I've got my mum and dad are not wealthy people you know they are in as, in as nice as way as I could say it, as normal as they come um, not poor you know, but not, you know, not not wealthy either. So it's difficult, you know. Like, I mean, I didn't know we were going to get back here because the amount of pieces of that puzzle that had to come together to be able to do that was beyond anything that I thought would happen, you know. And I think the opportunities that I've had in America, you know, and the people that I've met are, you know, more than more than one person would deserve, you know. So I've been extremely lucky but in the, in the midst of all of it the thing that even if I didn't exactly know how we were going to get back here the thing that I believed was that if I did get the opportunity that I was going to be ready for it and I was going to have enough talent to not embarrass myself and you know they were the things that I really thought about a lot and you know I had some great partners in Autonation and Sirius XM and you know a great team now in My Shank Racing and Arrow Schmidt Peterson Motorsports we're getting a chance to show that well and I, and I think you know especially with the Sirius sponsorship that's a great story too where you met them and, and you don't know who you're going to meet and if you're i don't want to say on your best best behavior but I, I just read something where if you're always polite good things happen sure and that certainly is your well, in in your case too isn't it i mean it is uh you know my mom and dad were always abundantly clear on how they wanted me and my sister just to be as people um you know and i i don't think either of us are particularly rude you know, we try and be pleasant to, to everybody we meet um, because that's what just being decent was about, really. So I think, you know, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to brown nose anybody or, you know, excessively kiss ass or anything like that. But we're trying to be decent people, you know, and respectful to people. We are, um, you know, we, we treat them the way we like to be treated, I think. Um, you always find someone who says something otherwise but uh, you know I think on the whole the, the people who have helped me I, I, I think have only done it because they have liked me and uh, you know again I'm not trying to brown nose anybody I am I'm who I am and some people like that some people don't um, but I think that the base minimum my mum and dad always installed in me and my sister that we were going to try and be decent people running the way you have so far this year seems to be getting a little better and better and better with especially what happened in the Grand Prix. The confidence level has to be at an all-time high. Have you had to tether it? Is it How, how, how does the team manage that? Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we, we enjoyed the Grand Prix and, you know, as a team because instead of talking about the results we can go, we went and got the one we wanted. Uh, that being said, you know, we didn't win so we're working hard to try and bridge the gap, uh, you know, to still just hungry yeah. yeah that being said in the midst of all of that you're, right. you're staying humble because in Apple Speedway you know it can bite you hard if you're not mm-hmm. and you know I think that's what I love about the team is they're working as hard as they can 
all the time and you know the first thing we spoke about after the race was what could we have done to put ourselves in a winning position so you know we're enjoying it because you've got to uh, but we're staying humble and hungry for better success because we haven't achieved what we wanted to yet so you know, people have asked me that and honestly it's been easy because like I said to the guys I want, I, want, I'd like, I want to win you know and I want to come here and try and win um, you know, and podiums are fantastic results, and you know they're, they're not easy to get on the best of the best of weekends when things are going, e- you know, not easy but like smoothly. You know, so you have to enjoy them. Very good. Well, Jack Harvey, best of luck in the 500, and uh, Michael stalls me a beer up in Road America. So, uh, let's do it. <laughs> All right, take care. Cheers. Thank you. Yep, there was Jack Harvey from Indianapolis. Now. Uh, we're going to keep it down there and hear from J.R. Hildebrand here on the Final Inspection Show, Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Uh, J.R. Hildebrand on the Final Inspection Show. J.R., a pretty interesting month for you, helping, especially helping your uh, teammate get into the show, Sage Karam. Um, you're a pretty smart guy. Was the team leaning on you a little bit more this year? Um, I think, you know, it was more just a, a function of that, you know, we felt pretty solid, you know, for most of the week of practice. Uh, we had definitely gone through some little periods where little change, like something that you wouldn't think would make a big difference, kind of threw us way off. Um, and I think, you know, maybe that's what the 24 car was battling a little bit, just trying to understand, you know, are, are we in the window or are we not in the window? Like, do we have to take a bigger swing at this? Um, how similar we know what the cars look like on paper relative to each other. How similar are they actually driving on track? Um, and so, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, the the focus became just make sure we get both cars in the field and, and work together as a good, you know, two-car program. That's why we got two cars rolling out there in the first place, you know. There's a new uh, new tire Firestone came out with this year. Is that is that helping a lot in uh, with the cars in traffic? Yeah, I think it's, you know, there have just been these little changes from last year to this year. I think if you, if we end up with a super hot race on race day, it'll certainly still be, and I think even if it's not, it'll be more similar to last year than it will have, will be to the years prior. Um, you know, the cars just seem to be producing like a much more turbulent, you know, wake behind them. So it's, it's trickier. And if you're the first car back, it feels more like, you know, 17 than 18. Okay. If you're two or three cars back, it sort of starts to, you know, deteriorate uh, more quickly than than the Aeroca years. Um, but the tire definitely has made a made a big improvement just in terms of last year. You know, I think every car in the field, kind of no matter what setup you had on the thing, once you got in traffic, it was just like chronic understeer, um, and that seems to definitely have been addressed, and uh, gives all the teams and drivers a little bit more to work with to try to actually tune the car in. Could that be a situation where? Um with the handling the way it is, especially if it could be hot and greasy, uh, track position is so important. Is the field going to be spread out, you think, in the first 10 laps? You know, I think I think you'll see it close together initially. I, I would anticipate, you know, that it gets a little bit spread out at that point. And that um, what will be interesting to see is just over the first couple of I – th- I think, frankly, like none of us are really going to know until we're a couple of stints into the race. You know, does it getting more spread out actually help – 
good drivers and good cars start to pick guys off because the, the cars in front of you aren't as close together. Um, and, you know, whether or not that happens, I think will play a big role in, you know, do you start to initially just focus on getting the car dialed in or are you kind of early in the race, earlier than maybe normal, starting to think about how can we get off strategy to, to gain that track position. So that sort of remains to be seen. How important is uh, practice for a driver like you is just doing India this year? Yeah, I mean, it's super important and, and important to be running with a team that um, understands what they're doing and can roll off the truck. I mean, I felt like we rolled off the truck, um, you know, and the car was fast and, you know, we were able to get right to it. So that definitely helps guys like me and Sage get with the program right away. Um, and, you know, I've, I've felt really good about it this year. So, uh, you know, the way the car has felt just from the beginning has been suited what I want from it. And, and we've been able to just kind of hover around a nice little window there. Uh, how, how, what's for you on race day? I mean, yellow flag pit stops and all the traffic, or is it green flag pit stops and it feels a little bit spread out? What's easier for you? Uh, you know, I mean, I guess I'd say green flag stops are usually a little more straightforward for the driver just because, uh, you know, you're not, you're usually offset a little bit from the guys around you, whether that's just because you're not immediately running with them on track or, uh, you know, you're pitting on a different lap or whatever. You can kind of time those things out a little bit. Um, you know, we've got an open in in pit lane, uh, so that helps a lot just one way or the other to have sort of a consistent roll in into the box. Helps me, helps the guys, uh, you know, to have that sort of consistency there, which which I think is a big move for from Dennis and those guys to make that happen. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just sort of take what we can get. You know, I think everybody's going to have to be on their toes, like you said, just because the track position is so important. All right. Thank you, Jer. I appreciate it. Sure. Well, there was J.R. Hildebrand from Indianapolis. Got to take a quick break. When we come back, you're going to hear from Sage Karam. You're going to hear from Pippa Man on the final inspection show here. Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back. Final inspection show here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Jeff Orlowski, the Polish pipe bomb in the studio today. Steve Zaki's down in Indianapolis. Let's kick it down to him now and uh, and hear what Sage Karam had to say. We're here with uh, Sage Karam on the final inspection show. Steve Zaki at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Sage, appreciate you taking time out with us. So what, what does it mean, uh, the Indy 500, to getting in, how you, the, the, the way you came in on bump day, how emotional was that for you? Uh, definitely super, super emotional. Um, you know, I think mostly just because um, I've never experienced bumping before, so I didn't really know what it was like and just how stressful it was for it to finally be over and to know we were in. Um, and also, like, we've just had, like, kind of a, a really, like, not a great month as far as just days not going the way we want them to, and we didn't get a lot of qual sims in. And we went in a qualifying cold, you know, just not knowing a lot about the car. And, um, you know, things were going not so good on Saturday. And then, you know, to pull it out and, and do what we did, um, it was a big confidence boost. And it was a big morale boost, you know, through the, the whole team. Was there one thing that you did? Was it a, a change in the car or a setup or information you received that really got you over that hump? No, I mean, I was flat on saturday the car just wouldn't go any faster we the issue was was the first the first run the track was at its best for me and because we didn't do qual sims we uh 
we weren't aggressive enough with the front grip and um, I went flat through one on my first lap and I went flat through two and the thing just didn't stick it wasn't gonna have it so um, there was no like of me getting over a hump or the team getting over a hump it just we just missed it on the first run and you know then you have to wait for everybody else to go and then by then you know the track's just getting worse and worse and worse so then we finally got the car the car to a, a better you know balance of what we needed for my first run but then at that point we're chasing a dying track and um yeah i mean it was just the car was good and i would go flat for four laps four corners every attempt and we just couldn't get the speed out of it and then also you know you keep trying and trying and trying and the engine's just not cooling down so you're losing a little bit of horsepower so basically we we didn't make it into the show guaranteed when our first run wasn't where we needed the car balance to be and then uh when we had the car balance right and we came back out Sunday and the, the track was pretty pretty good, we we did what we thought we were gonna be able to do on Saturday as far as like pace wise and that would have put us pretty pretty good in the show. So um, yeah, I mean I, I've I felt good, you know, the only issue I had all month was that or it was like Thursday or Friday before the qualifying I uh, I haven't had a lot of laps and we wanted to do a qual sim and I did one and I wasn't I wasn't a hundred percent with the feeling of it of the car and since JR did like 10 qual sims before that we just put them in my car to make sure like it was decent you know like it, in a window and he said it was you know it was decent enough for me to get in it and continue um, but it wasn't set up as aggressive as his because he's been working you work to that aggressive level you know um, so I got there on for Sunday of qualifying, but for Saturday we needed that aggressiveness, and we just we didn't have the knowledge and the laps under that to be able to have the confidence just to go put it on and do it. Does that show the importance of a two car team when one is maybe having some issues or that you can lean on somebody like Jr. Absolutely, you know it definitely does, and um, you know he and because he was able to get to that aggressive level way before I was, um, he we kind of knew that was the 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 aero balance numbers that we needed um so we got there on saturday and then we did that on sunday and it was it was good but we wouldn't have known that number unless we had a teammate and i wouldn't have been able to have somebody else jump in my car and tell me like hey it's getting there it's it's almost there kind of deal um so yeah we just were slightly low on the number and missed it you know on the front end and uh you know it, it is what it is and at first, I got out of the car and I was like, "We're fine," because I know the car was gonna have speed, and I knew if we just put some more front in it, um, you know, I'd go flat and the speed would be there. But we just never had the speed then at that point, so it quickly became apparent that the track fall off was like a lot worse than actually being able to go flat, and it quickly became apparent that we weren't gonna make make it on Saturday. So. Basically, we just had to put our efforts into Sunday, and that was, you know, I could do one or two really, really fast laps on Saturday, but then I'd fall off for laps three and four. So, you know, overnight, we just made some changes to make sure that, you know, try and keep all four laps as close together as we could, and we were able to do that. Very good. Thank you, Sage. Good, thanks. That was Sage Karam down at Indianapolis. Now let's hear from Pippa Mann down at Indianapolis as well part of this for you, the association with Klaus and Marshall, driven to save lives, kind of this whole process beyond just making the field for the race. I think the most rewarding thing has literally been being a part of this process. For, uh, from the moment Tim asked me to drive this car, told me that he wanted to do this, from getting Ross Motorsports on board and making this really happen, um, 
being the driver to drive for Tim, to represent Brian. Doesn't get a lot cooler than that, you know? Does that explain the emotions end of Saturday when you realized you were 30th and in and didn't have to deal with Sunday and all of that? Yes, it, it, that's a single word answer, um, but it's a combination of that and what happened the year before. Uh, also combined with the fact that we genuinely had been quietly good enough all week and we were good enough on Saturday when we ran the first time in the different track conditions and it was only the changing track that nearly caught us. Um, so yeah, a lot of emotion involved. Does that put you in a good spot then when Sunday gets here to feel like you've got the kind of car that can contend in this thing? We feel like we've had a quietly good week. Um, we feel like we've been pretty good in clean air. We feel like we've been pretty good in the traffic running we did on Monday. If we can just continue in the same vein that we've been continuing in, and our goals for Sunday are to try and be smart, uh, try not to make mistakes, and hopefully if we can do that and just have a nice clean run, that top 15 will come calling. Thank you. How, how vindicated did you feel Saturday when, you know, when people were guessing who was going to be bumped out. And to be honest, a few people had your name on it. It must have felt pretty good, didn't it? it I'll be honest with you. It, it's actually not about vindication at all in any way, shape, or form. The emotion came from what did happen to us last year. And, you know, we, we worked really hard to try and get that car fast enough. And we, we didn't have time to solve the problem, and she just wouldn't go. This year, our car has been good enough. It's been good enough every day. It's been fast enough every day. We were fast enough in qualifying when the track was hot and the wind was blowing. It was more that I just didn't want to go through it again. We, we couldn't, it was too important. And we've been too good to put ourselves in that position. So th th that was where the emotion came from. What, what, what's your race strategy? So I, I'm still a one-off driver. Um, I obviously wasn't in the race last year, so this will be my first IndyCar race in two years. So our goals are to try and be smart try and have a clean race, try and have clean pit stops, try not to make any mistakes. And if the Clawson Marshall driven to save lives Chevrolet is as good as she has been every day so far and just continues in that vein and we can execute all of the above, which believe me, it, it isn't easy. That's why it's a process to try and execute. Um, then I feel pretty hopeful. I'm, I feel like we could be looking at a top 15 with this car. That's my goal. How, how important then is tomorrow uh, with practice and, and you're going through all the pit stop scenarios then, I take it? So we'll find out how important practice is tomorrow. Tomorrow is the honest answer. Um, the weather conditions could potentially be very, very different from Monday and much closer to race day. And the weather conditions here changed the track so much. So far this week, every weather condition we've put that car down in, it's been fairly consistent. It's been doing very similar things. But, but you don't really know until you do it. So that, that's why I keep saying I'm hopeful that if we can continue in the same vein that we have been doing and there are no big last-minute surprises, like, like the track's pride throws on Saturday, as long as she doesn't do that again, um, I, I, I feel quietly hopeful. Being a one-off driver, how, how quickly did you get comfortable with the car this year? So the big thing for me since we went away from the manufacturer aero kit era to this single aero kit is that it has allowed me to feel the right rear of the car again. In the manufacturer aero kit era, I actually felt very, very muted as a driver a lot of the time because my biggest strength is my ability to feel the car, and specifically on an oval, the ability to feel the right rear is what can really kind of help you gain the best speed you can out of the car um, and sort of have more confidence in traffic. So from the moment I jumped in this car, I could feel the right rear exactly as I could last year except it was going quicker, which was a much happier feeling. <laughs> Very good. Thank you, Pippa. You're welcome.
Mustaka. Yeah, some great stuff from Pippa Man down at Indianapolis. Uh, great job by Steve Zaki. Steve, thank you for all those interviews. We got to take a quick break, and then we're going to switch gears and go to NASCAR. And uh, I'm going to play. A couple days ago, I sat down with Daniel Hemrick and uh, interviewed him ahead of the Coca-Cola 600 that uh, will take place tomorrow night. You'll hear that next on the Final Inspection Show here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM. The fan, Jeff Orlowski, the Polish pipe bomb, and it's my pleasure to tune to the great Midwest Bank Hotline. Welcome in NASCAR rookie Daniel Hemrick, driver of the number eight Chevy Camaro for Richard Childress Racing. Daniel, how you doing today, buddy? I'm doing good, man. Hope you uh, hope you are as well. Oh, yeah. I, uh, you know, kind of sad that we've got to do it this week. Uh, the uh, results from the Open, you know, you, you put yourself on the pole. You had a fast race car the entire time. Uh, you want to walk us through what happened with you and Priest there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, you know, we found the pole, and we led majority of that first stage there in the Open, our Bass Pro Shops Caterpillar Camaro Z01, and thought we were in good shape to – win the first stage and lock ourselves into the all-star race that night and and uh just got caught with an untimely caution which put us back behind the other cars once we had the pit and um you know kind of entered the field fairly quickly you know got up to fourth there behind priest and thought at the time i had enough laps in the stage to try to go win the thing and i caught him at about five laps straight he kind of air blocked me and ran me all over the racetrack and um yeah just just a very frustrating deal uh, this package that we have now it, you know, in, in our series, you have to be so so dedicated to a certain lane and hope the guys in front of you don't go to your lane because when the air hits your car and changes, you just lose the ability to uh, to turn. You just get really, really tight and shove the nose and uh, makes for a frustrating day. And ultimately, um, everywhere I went, he chose to go the same lane, and I'd had enough of it. And, and just a very frustrating deal. Uh, this package that we have now, go to your lane because when the air hits your car and changes you just straight in day and ultimately um everywhere i went he chose to go the same lane and i'd had enough of it and and uh we ended up getting together and ended both for a night so um not ideal but uh, my boss richard Childers, told me when we getting in the car that we didn't have to run that car um for the 600 and it was my job to not take any mess off anybody so that's what we did we uh have licked our wounds and moving on yeah, that's why uh, Richard is such a great leader. Have you had a chance to uh, to talk to uh, Priest and and get it figured out, or are you guys still uh, on not speaking terms? <laughs> well, uh, we haven't spoke yet, but you know we do our rookie meetings together every week, so um, I'll talk to him here before we get to the racetrack. Um, obviously, let both of us cool down. You know, I was, I'm sure, you know, he was doing what he was supposed to do as far as his job and. And uh, I felt like I was doing the best job I could not to do everything but get into him until until there was no other way. So uh, frustrating for both of us. But, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll touch base at some point before we get on track this week. Yeah, yeah, disappointing 18th place finish uh, when you had such a dominant race car. But on the positive side, you have to feel good knowing that, you know, RCR showed up with one heck of a hot rod for you at Charlotte 
that's got to make you uh, pretty confident going into the 600 here. Yeah, I mean, it, it does for sure. I mean, you, you want to have speed in your race cars, and you want to have, you know, you want to have the opportunities to uh, to make passes, and, and that's the thing, right? You know, in our series now at the cup level, if your car has a lot of speed, um, a lot of times it's probably not going to drive good in traffic and vice versa. If it's not very fast, then um, usually makes for better opportunities in traffic because it's that, that much more downforce. So you kind of got to find that sweet spot. As hot as it's going to be at Charlotte this week, it's going to be really key to target that balance and uh, hopefully – the race team and myself are up for the challenge, and hopefully we hit on what we need to hit on to give ourselves a good opportunity. Nice. Uh, going back to uh, Richard Childress, what do you call Richard? You call him Mr. Childress? You call him Rich? You call him Richard? Uncle Richie? You know, what's uh, what's your guys' relationship <laughs> like? I uh, I find myself calling him R.C. a lot. Um, you know, I refer to him, you know, R.C. said this or R.C. said that. That's just kind of always been my go-to. That's what felt normal to me, and he hasn't corrected me on it yet, so I'm going to keep going with it. Nice. Nice. Uh, you know, it's funny because, it, and obviously looking from the outside, but it seems like your career is just on a completely meteoric rise. Are you surprised how quick you went from the, you know, the, the wheel and modified series and all that to the absolute top level in NASCAR? It's uh, definitely – definitely a little mind-boggling if you try to wrap your mind around it that's for sure um but it's also rewarding you know it's kind of a tale to where you know i think back to 2010 you know i won the biggest race of what at the time was my career to put my name on the map at the legends million at charlotte motor speedway to uh you know a brief stint there in the tour modified and the super late models uh for as long as somebody let me get in them and then bam next thing you know i'm in a truck in 2015 full-time and never uh never had you know, not that I didn't have the drive or dedication to, to get to this level. I just never tried setting a, a pure goal to let myself be disappointed and, and uh, just tried to work and do my, my best with whatever the opportunity was. And um, in 2015, that opportunity came to go truck racing. And uh, crazy how it's un, un, you know, really going to unfolded uh, to 2019 and led me to where I'm at. So extremely grateful and thankful for everyone along the way. It's, uh, it's been a heck of a ride, but I'm uh, trying to enjoy it as, as we keep going. Yeah, that's great and well deserved. Obviously, uh, the talent rises to the top, and that's why you're moving up so quick. We're talking with Daniel Hemrick, NASCAR rookie, here on a great Midwest Bank hotline on the final inspection show. Uh, Daniel, what's the funnest car that you own for personal use? <laughs> funnest car that I personally own. Uh, it's not a street car. It's a it's a race car. I, I you know I still well obviously all the way up until 2015 I was building on my own race cars and late models and um i still have a couple of them one particular at my garage at my house that i get to go play with here and there and that's a, a passion of mine that i love to get back in and get back in touch with from time to time so by far my uh, most enjoyable hot rod that i still have all right and then uh i know in the xfinity series you had a couple chances to race at road america what are your thoughts on that track oh road america is one of my favorites you know that place is it really done so much for so many people's careers um, outside of NASCAR with sports cars. And going there for the first time, you'd be hard-pressed to find another road course with so much character. The racetrack, the asphalt is so wore out slick. It kind of falls into a finesse driver's, you know, style. Um, you, know, you can go really fast for a couple laps. But it's hard to go really fast for a lot of laps unless you really manage your equipment, your tires, your brakes. So um, I always enjoy that challenge when uh, went to Wisconsin to race Road America. 
Nice. Well, we're running out of time here, Daniel. What uh, What are you listening to right now? What am I listening to right now? Like yeah. yeah. What kind of music's in your car? Oh, yeah. Oh, my music right now. I've actually been um been on the Tyler Childers here lately. Um, you know, a lot of people may not have heard of them yet, but myself, um, you know, Bubba Wallace, Blaney, a lot of us just kind of tuned into his music here lately, and they actually got to go to one of his concerts a couple weeks ago. So. Unfortunately, I didn't make it, but he's uh, he's majorly playing on my phone now. Oh, fantastic. Well, Daniel, I want to uh, wish you the best of luck both uh, this weekend at the 600 and obviously the rest of the season. Hopefully you bring home that Rookie of the Year trophy and that the uh, Monster Energy uh, Championship trophy isn't too far behind. So thank you for uh, joining us here on the Final Inspection Show. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me on. Uh, we'll see you soon. And there was Daniel Hemrick. He uh, he joined us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline looking to buy, build, renovate, or refinance in 2019. Look no further. Call Great Midwest Bank today. Great Midwest Bank providing simply local common sense lending to your community since 1935. Running out of time here on the final inspection show. So as you guys this weekend celebrate and honor the American heroes who paid the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom I hope that you guys enjoy the racing all day tomorrow. F1 right after 8 a.m., the Indy 500, 1119, the green flag flies for that tomorrow. And the uh, the World 600 for NASCAR, green flag around 5 o'clock for that one as well. Have a good holiday weekend. Don't forget what the weekend is about. And, uh, you know, pay your respects and, and, and think about those that paid the ultimate sacrifice for, uh, for our nation here. Thank you very much for joining us. I want to thank Steve Zaki for joining us. A couple segments down live from Indianapolis. All the great interviews that he pulled. Daniel Hemrick as well. Enjoy the racing this weekend, guys. And we will talk to you next week. This is the Final Inspection Show here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.